you've survived another week. Thank you for listening, downloading, and subscribing to the Urban Shooter Podcast. This is episode number 89. Shooter Podcast, the podcast for law-abiding, fun-loving gun owners of the city. This show features how-tos, news, and political views on what's happening around the world and in your city related to the sports of shooting and protecting what's important to you. Your host is known as the Black Man with a Gun. He's a former U.S. Marine, federal firearms instructor, private investigator, counter-terrorist, public speaker, and web personality. He's been featured in two documentaries, Fox News, the BBC, the Washington Business Journal, Washington Times, Wall Street Journal, and here he is now to give power to the people, Ken Blanchard. My mom always said life was like a box of chocolates. You never know what you're going to get. That's right. You don't know what you're going to get on the Urban Shooter Podcast. I am your host, Ken Blanchard, and hope you like Chicago's rendition and their opening for the new show. This week, we got quite a lot going on. Mama returns with some tips about straw purchases. Zombie Strike comes back and... Fellow podcaster from the Armed Citizen, Mick McArt, does a debut on Skull Island. Also, Shoot, Don't Shoot gives you an answer for last week's show, taken from Richard in Florida. Also, a little secret business. I get to share a story with you and talk about shooting the brownie. We got a little bit of commercials. And what else do we have for you? Some news from California to D.C. All this and more on your favorite righteous podcast. Coming up next, low fat and factual. Thank you for joining us. I pledge allegiance to the flag of the United States of America and to the republic for which it stands. One nation under God, indivisible, with liberty and justice for all. Your favorite and mine, Mama, is next to give us some words of mother wit and wisdom. Uh, I I have a word to our friends in beautiful, freedom-loving Virginia, and that's to please, please vote carefully at all levels this November so you can preserve those freedoms, which are a little bit cramped here in Maryland. So it it was really lovely being in, in their beautiful state. And I will now segue totally ineptly, to um, our topic this week, a frequently asked question, uh, is whether I can use my cousins, my friends, my uncles, my mothers, or my sister's gun. Um, And as always, and you can probably all recite it together now with me, the answer is it depends. Depends on what? Well, first off, can you legally own a gun yourself? If you are barred from owning a gun due to a criminal record, then you are probably barred from using or having access to them. 
depending on what exactly is on the record. So be sure to check with a lawyer to make sure being in temporary possession of a firearm is not prohibited to you. The next step question is going to be, do you have the permission of your cousin, sister, aunt, friend, or whoever is the owner? And that answer must be a big resounding yes. You want to make sure that you have not just permission, you have permission right now and you have specific permission, not a vague, you can use it whenever you want or, oh yeah, any time. Um, because you want to make sure that you know the opinion hasn't changed, that they haven't withdrawn that permission and just not gotten around to telling you. You want to be very careful about accepting a third-party assurance. Oh, yeah, my cousin lets me use it all the time. Uh, because if they didn't, it's kind of like you know going for a ride with a friend in a car that you're not sure about its provenance, and then it turns out that, your friend did not have the permission that you thought, and the both of you are in trouble. So always ask questions and be very sure that you like the answers. It never hurts uh, to have the permission in writing. Another variation on this theme uh, comes when parents purchase firearms for their under-21-year-old children to use. For instance, uh, frequently what happens is a family will come in and buy a 22 caliber target pistol or a single action revolver, both of which are very popular. They're lots of fun to shoot and they're very inexpensive to feed. So they're good choices for family target practice and plinking. Uh, but what you have to keep in mind is that although it is purchased for the whole family to enjoy or even primarily for use by the kids, it cannot be the kid's gun or be treated as their gun. The parent must maintain control of the firearm and it must not be accessible to unsupervised, um, excuse me, unsupervised minors. Um, and that's federal law. So always be careful about that. And if you do have a friend who's willing to share their gun with you and it's okay for you to have firearms, then take full advantage of it because that's an excellent way to get experience with other firearms and uh, know more about what you enjoy shooting. So when it does come to be time for you to buy one, you've got a lot more information to go on. I hope you're having a beautiful week, and I'll talk to you later. Bye. Thanks, Mama. Talk to you next week. This is Zombie Strike. Well, it's a beautiful day out here on Skull Island. And I thought I'd give you a little bit of background information about zombies. Now, definition according to uh, the official zombie survival guide written by Max Brooks says that zombies are one an animated corpse that feeds on living human flesh number two a voodoo spell that raises the dead and three a voodoo snake god four one who moves or acts in a daze like a zombie now that word is of West African origin what is a zombie how are they created what are their strengths and weaknesses what are their desires their needs why are they hostile to humanity? 
Before discussing any survival techniques, you must first learn what you are trying to survive. We must begin by separating fact from fiction. The walking dead are neither a work of black magic nor any other supernatural force. Their origin stems from the virus known as Solanum, the Latin word used for or used by Jan Vanderhaven, who first discovered the disease. Here on Skull Island, it's a combination of a natural uh, virus, just like the Solanum, that uh, works through the bloodstream from the initial point of entry to the brain through means not fully understood. The virus uses the cells of the frontal lobe for replication, destroying them in the process. And during this period, all bodily functions cease. By stopping the heart, the infected subject is rendered, in quotations, dead. The brain, however, remains alive but dormant, while the virus mutates its cells into a completely new organ. The most critical trait of this new organ is its independence from oxygen. By removing the need for all this important resource, the undead brain can utilize but in, is in no way dependent upon the complex support mechanism of the human body. Once mutation is complete, this new organ reanimates the body into a form that bears little resemblance, physiologically speaking, to the original corpse. Some bodily functions remain constant, others operate in a modified capacity, and the remainder shut down completely. This new organism is a zombie, a member of the living dead. Now, isn't that something? That's the technical and the background. Now, let's talk about these physical attributes of the zombies so that you'll know your target. Too often, the undead have been said to possess superhuman powers, usually strength, lightning speed, telepathy, etc. Stories range from zombies flying through the air to, the, to their scaling vertical surfaces like spiders. And while these traits might make for a fascinating drama, the individual ghoul is far from magical, omnipotent demon. Never forget that the body of the undead is, for all practical purposes, human. What changes do occur are, in a way, this new reanimated body is used by the now infected brain. There is no way a zombie could fly unless that human it used to be could fly. The same goes for projecting force fields, teleportation, moving through solid objects, transforming into a wolf, breathing fire, or any variety of mythical talents attributed or attributed to the walking dead. Imagine the human body as a toolkit. All right. Now, we haven't done that many studies yet, and our intrepid reporter, the mighty Mick McArt, will be talking shortly about what's going on. And uh, he's going to actually be on the field with some zombies. But I can tell you from right here, up in our safe um, control center, way up top, almost 200 feet above in the crow's nest, where I'm trying my best to be safe from what's down there below. The zombies can hear better than anything else. So we'll get into more about their physical attributes like sight, smell, sound, um, stuff like that, and how they get to where they're going. And just a few tips here. I want to make sure that you know that you can join us um, here. You can compete. You can do like Mick did and send out a uh, recording and we'd be glad to play it. Help us play along. Help us have a good time and enjoy Zombie Strike. Take away, Mick.
Hello, Ken. This is Mick McCart from the Armed Citizen Podcast, reporting to you live from Zombie Island. Now, the zombies here are up in arms about a raid that occurred here a couple weeks back that eliminated more than 60 of their kind. Being a bit of a zombie file myself, I decided to fly here to investigate. Now, I'm standing here next to Bub, a concerned zombie. He had his right arm chopped off in the attack. So, Bub, can you describe what happened? I see. What happened then? Well, you can't really blame them now, can you? Trying to eat our brains is a good way to get shot. Oh, this? I just carry this Glock for protection. Eh, Why do you ask? Hey, quit touching my head. Why are you looking at me all hungry-like? Typical zombie, here, eat this. Well, Ken, I can see more zombies are coming in, so I'll have to end this report here so I can get back to the chopper. Pray for the best, prepare for the worst. That's what I always say. Oh, yeah. The Continuing Saga of Gunbroker.com It's 75 luscious degrees at the Blanchard Estates. Sunny, low humidity. Started off the day dropping off my son off to a prep class for his SATs. Trying to get the son of a gun into college in 2009. The little six-foot guy is having a tough time as a senior. Not nearly as much fun as I had. Kids don't have it like we did. 30 years ago, even though we didn't have DVDs, large screen TVs, MP3s, CDs, PlayStation 3, Mama and me had it better. There was still crime, psychopaths, and war. But people were different. Kids were different. We played. We stayed outside as long as we could. Didn't have to come in till the streetlights came on. That was the unspoken rule. When it got dark, bring your little butt inside. Now my kid thinks if I tell him to go outside, it's punishment. Jokers don't even have much much imagination or creativity as my generation. Everything today is virtual. But his loss, I got my life to live. And I'm still living it. You can't make somebody else enjoy life. As for me, it was a good day. After I dropped off my offspring, I went to my favorite range near Fort Meade, Maryland. It was not nearly as crowded, and that was a big deal for me because I was getting ready to Christian and shoot for the first time my new gunbroker.com acquired Browning High Power. Plus, plus, I was going to break out and debut the new Zombie 2.5 Target. Nobody's got these up in here. Well, to my surprise, My favorite range was under renovation, so the place where I took the photos in my book, Black Man with a Gun, was finally getting updated. I mean, the place was looking nice. Plus, the staff was different, too. A lot younger people there. Well, got me a rented lane. I bought all my own gear, except for the ammo. For one, I wanted to see and compare the prices of the 9mm ammo and do a comparison of what ammo shot best there out of this new pistol. The range only carried two types of 9mm one was a PMC bronze, 115 grain full metal jacket at a whopping $14.99 a box. Ouch. And Magtech, same specs, for 
$95 a box. Range fee, $15 an hour. So I just committed to $45 an hour already, and I hadn't even shot a penny. Okay, with my Black Man with the Gun logo eyewear in the clear lens configuration and doubling up on my hearing protection and some fluorescent model ear protection that I bought with some muffs from the hardware store, I started loading my magazines up on a range. I was so excited. Hadn't shot a Browning since 1996 or so. You see, I had one before, but I sold it to a young woman that liked shooting. And she was a member of my then-growing 10th Cavalry Gun Club out of D.C. Actually, you know, I lost track of most of the gun club members since then. But that was a different time in my life. I was different. Back on the range, locked and loaded. Target set at about 12 yards. Probably the limit of distance you would engage at a target this small. I'm aiming at the headshots of my zombies that are trying to attack this innocent little girl and her teddy bear. Going to shoot the first mag left-handed and then try to get my mojo back. I hit the head, but my group started to suck. After a couple of shots, I get a double feed. Uh, the ambidextrous safety is pretty, pretty damn non-functional. It's not moving. This thing is tighter than my wife's um, uh, checkbook. A couple more shots, uh, and it goes out of battery. Maybe I'm wristing this thing. The Brunning has a chrome lower half and a blued slide and has target sights and ambidextrous safeties. I mean, still, it's a sharp-looking pistol, and you can see the picture up on the show notes. I fired about 12 rounds and had some issues. The zombie on the left had a definite hole in his head, but it didn't flow for me. This Browning has a magazine disconnect, so it won't fire if the magazine's out of it. Hmm. I remember reading the email from the seller that said that this was one of the reasons the previous owner sold it because he was competing with it and it messed him up. Well, this gun looks and feels brand new. Actually, it doesn't have the rattle of a military gun. I mean, it's really tight and mean looking like my wife. But two malfunctions in one mag? Hmm. Took this over to my friend who was not really a armorer or gunsmith, but he said he thinks it uh, probably has a 40 caliber spring in it and needs a little polishing. So I'm going to see if I can make that happen in the near future. I tried a couple of new mags. Thought it might be the ammo, but this thing is so tight. The slide didn't go in the battery one time. The slide didn't lock back on the last shot. I mean, just major issues, which kind of bummed me out. And I wasn't sure if it was the ammo or me at that point. So I got some special ammo left over from my days at Langley. And uh, they are definitely more than 115 grains. So I had to check that out. And of course, bam, that worked. So I kind of got my feelings hurt. You know, how you're waiting for something, anticipating the shooting and it didn't happen. So I went to my trusty, dusty Glock 17, threw a couple of rounds on that to make sure it wasn't just me or the gun. I wanted to make sure it was, you know, the gun. See, this Glock is ugly, is old, is older than my son, actually. Um, it was the original 17, originally bought and used by Metro PD here in D.C., but it was sent back to the manufacturer after the force had like 400 accidental on discharges and they blamed the gun instead of the lack of training so Glock sent them all new pistols and these were sold to law enforcement officers at a reduced rate after being you know redone but this ugly thing is the stuff I've personally fired more than 5,000 rounds through it and it keeps on ticking well with the MagTech and the PMC ammo with my left hand I drilled a silver dollar hole in the zombie on the right 
So it's the gun in me not being familiar. I still got it. I was scared. Thought I was losing it faster than I am. I am losing it, though. Back to the BHP. Right hand blazing away, and I get the traditional bite in the web area of my hand. Ain't that a bee witch? Okay, I think I'm going to work on this a little. Definitely find me a um, little bit stronger ammo. Let me see if it loosens up after 500 rounds, but I'm definitely going to find me a gunsmith to polish it up a little bit. See if we can loosen it up a few things. And uh, might even put one of those high-tech looking fiber optic uh, front sights on it. And uh, trigger pull's not too bad, but it's still kind of raggedy with that magazine disconnect. So after I get somebody to tweak it a little bit for me, um, I'll, I'll might be my carry gun. But right now, if my life depending on this gun and this gun alone, I wouldn't take it into battle. Right now, it's too persnickety again, like my wife. My wife is so tight with money, if you give her change to buy a soda, you can hear the eagle scream and the president's cough from the pressure of her hands. But it's a good day. You know, I shot about 150 rounds today and had a good time overall. A little disappointed with the performance of the gun that I waited damn near a month to get, but I ain't licked yet. Going to find me a gun doctor to fix this thing up, doggone and one of the things I liked about Glock, Kimber, and Six Hours, out-of-the-box firearms usually worked for anybody. Oh, well. Thanks for sticking with me on this little ditty. You know, looking at this pistol reminds me of something that happened to me 20 years ago on the covert operation I was on. You want to hear about it? All right, we're going to hear about it right after these commercial messages. Hit it, sister girl. The Minister of Defense, the pastor of Paladins, Patriots, and Pistoleros will be right back after these commercials. Black Man with a Gun by Ken Blanchard is a 148-page book with pictures showing the right way and wrong way to do things, different guns and techniques, and a great primer for new shooters, an icebreaker for the experienced shooter, and a tool for the activist. Black Man with a Gun is a book that easily explains and inspires with the humor of the most audacious African-American in support of the right to keep and bear arms, Ken Blanchard. Ken Blanchard is a former U.S. Marine, federal firearms instructor, private investigator, counter-terrorist, public speaker, and web personality. Ken has been featured in two documentaries, Fox News, the BBC, the Washington Business Journal, Washington Times, Wall Street Journal, and now with his new podcast, The Urban Shooter on iTunes. In the book, you'll find a letter to my sisters, buying a firearm, the racist roots of gun control, the NRA, your rights, the police, religion, and guns. Get your autographed copy today by visiting blackmanwithagun.com or by calling 888-772-6262. Get your copy now. Hey, are you tired of shooting that same old B-27 target or that same old bullseye at the range? Well, how about that old, tired, played-out FBI guy that kind of like squinting with one eye with one arm outstretched? I just designed a new target, especially for the urban shooter, and I call it Zombie 2.5. It features a shoot-don't-shoot situation. There's a little innocent girl with a teddy bear out front, and behind her are two flesh-eating zombies, and it all kind of goes with the theme for this year. And here's why this is really cool. If you've taken any advanced training or you want to in the future, you'll have to learn how to shoot different drills. The drug, Mozambique, whatever you want to call it, where you place two on the body and one to the head. You can practice that through this zombie target. Also, folks won't look at you sideways when you start shooting headshots. Everybody knows 
that the head is what you shoot at for zombies. Third, it's fun. This is the only target like it, and people are going to go, wow, how can I get one of those? And lastly, all the proceeds are going to go to help me buy a little minivan for our church. I have a church full of elders, and there's a couple of them that are invalid right now, and they can't get to church. And I want to buy this like little minivan where I can get my son to go drive and pick him up. But uh, So the proceeds of the targets are going to go and help with the elderly. But aside from that, this is going to be a cool new target, and you can check it out on blackmanwithagun.com or on urban-shooter.com. And again, it's the only one of its kind, Zombie 2.5, exclusively from the Urban Shooter Podcast. And now, back to the man who's packing more than a browning. I was protecting a diplomat in a foreign country under siege. They had just invoked martial law in a country and were locking down all foreigners, travelers, and possible threats to the establishment. My team and I were staying in a five-star hotel, set aside usually for Americans, and had above-average security for his residence. Now, this thing is a cool thing if you're an American in a country at war. It was not cool if you were secretly sent to protect someone the government had deemed important. A few minutes before I arrived, the advance agent had reported that police everywhere were searching everybody entering the hotel and then you couldn't bring guns inside. Again, that's cool if you're a tourist, but homie, I wasn't there for the sun, the fun, or the souvenirs. I need my pistol dog on it. And it was the reason... I was in this jacked up place in the first place. So what did I do? Went back to my rental car, opened the trunk, and looked at my options. I needed to think. How could I get a gun in the front door and not get shot or arrested by the police? Well, first, I thought of all the crap I had bought to conceal my firearms. I had made DeSantis and a little police shop in Virginia rich from all the stuff I brought in preparation for this trip. I decided that being street savvy always trumped technology. So I decided to go to the hotel, go through the door, submit to the test, and check out my challenge on my own terms. Unarmed except for a wad of keys, I entered the revolving door of the International Hotel. Good morning, sir. Good morning, my friend. Are you checking everyone today? I made note of his name. Yes, sir. It is hotel policy. To ensure the safety of everyone. No firearms are allowed in the building, even if our country is in a conflict right now. He waved a wand over my chest, down my arms, and found the keys in my front pocket. The armed dude in the corner with the armor light in the double magazine looked at me with target vision. I smiled and said, oh. Oh yeah, my house keys and my car keys. I took them out, held them high, and did a little dance, twirling around as he wanded it down to my shoes. He actually stopped at my knees. I made note of that. I went through the magnetometer arch and entered the hotel. Went to my room and rethought my plan. I returned a short time later and made sure I spoke nicely to the guy and the dude with the fully auto black rifle. I went to my car, grabbed two Browning High Powers, put one in the mail purse I bought from DeSantis that allows you to hide a gun. I threw a wad of keys in one of the open pockets and my passport in the other. I took the other Browning, it used to be standard OSS issue, and as best I could, tucked it in my sock. Not the best rig, I must admit. Yes, my sock. I said a prayer, 
Note, God takes care of babies and fools. I went back to the front door of the hotel. I cut Jimmy off at the pass and said, Hi, Jimmy. I'm back. I forgot my passport. Lifting up my DeSantis bag. My brothers in arms called Ken's fag bag, by the way. This may be derogatory to gay people, so please forgive me for using it, but it goes with the story. I need to check your bag, sir. Yes, the one let out a large whale as it detected the browning high power concealed beneath it. I smiled and quickly opened the zipper compartment as everyone around me looked intently on what the American was doing. I produced a wad of keys that actually went to nothing in my rental car, dangling and throw them back in the bag. See? Smiling, I raised my bag so that it implied that there was nothing left to see. Trying to do his job and impress his peers, he said no. Let me see the bag again. But I knew where he was going with this, so I complied. No problem. You're good, Jimmy. I unzipped the other side of the bag and he saw my passport. The black diplomatic passport. Even though things were bad in this country, I didn't look like the ones that are contributing to his problem. Folks really don't want to see negatives. I took advantage of it. I raised the bag again and did my twirly dance this time. I only did two semicircles this time. I never gave him the leg with the second browning in the sock, and nobody noticed. The wand did go off, though, but I was moving past him before he noticed. People laughed, and I was in the lobby. Now, this story sounds like the red, white, and blue American outsmarted and succeeded. Well, not exactly. You see, my twirling around loosened the second browning in my sock, and it started to slide down. It was so fully loaded and heavier than it would have been if I took the mag out. I felt it move dramatically as I walked to the elevator. I was past the guy with the armor light, but I still had a couple of visitors and a cleaning lady in the lobby in my path. The elevator looked like a football field away. And then it happened. The browning fell out of my sock and onto the polished marble floor of the lobby. Now, remembering a class I thought I would never benefit from in high school about color and centrifugal force, or centrifugal force rather, I purposely kicked the pistol barrel so that the gun spun like a top toward the elevator door. You see, I remembered that colors blend into one when you spin them. You see, really, I'm a hippie, an artsy-fartsy, animal-and-nature-loving hippie. And it has saved my life more than once being a little different. And for you haters out there trying to read something into what I'm saying, I'm straight, hetero, a Christian male, and damn proud of it. It just so happens that I also like cats, little foo-foo dogs, and stuff that isn't so manly. Okay, enough of that. We aren't dating. Back to the story. The browning was indistinguishable as a pistol as it spun. As my blessing held out, the elevator opened and nobody was inside, and the pistol slid past the front desk, and I tapped it into the elevator like a soccer player, passing the ball, and stood in front of it as the doors closed, and I safely went to my room. I picked up the pistol, put it in my waistband, and stood up and got off the elevator. It was a good day. In the news this week, the NRA endorses Senator McCain, and they just about sealed the coffin on his candidacy. Hate to say it, but the truth is, in the urban and international audience, the National Rifle Association is not well regarded. That probably took a few political love points away from the dude. For my listeners in California, there was a victory in California. The governor vetoes the firearms training bill. 
Following a strong campaign led by the California Association of Firearms Realtors and the National Shooting Sports Foundation, the NSSF, the Trade Association for the Firearms Industry, California Governor Arnold Schwarzenegger vetoed legislation AB 2498 that would have forced all California residents seeking firearms training from an instructor with a non-related federal contract to provide firearms training to federal employees or employees of civil civilian government contractors to obtain a very costly criminal mental history background check as a condition of being eligible to receive that training. They would have been required to do so merely because the instructor happened to be a federal contract for other kinds of training. The unfortunate and needless result of AB 2498 would have been a decline in firearm safety amongst the general public, said Mark Halcombe president of the California Association of Firearms Realtors. Governor Schwarzenegger did the right thing by vetoing this dangerous legislation. End quote. Lawrence G. Keene, Senior Vice President and General Counsel for the NSSF, added, in quotes, The defeat of this bill, legislation supported by the Brady campaign to prevent gun violence, marks a tremendous victory for all law-abiding Californians. Passage of AB 2498, would have resulted in many people deciding against firearm safety and proficiency training, a move that benefits no one. All right. And in D.C., Senate Democrats block rollback of D.C. gun laws. Senate Democrats objected Thursday to an attempt by Kay Bailey Hutchison, Republican from Texas, to take up House-passed legislation that would roll back District of Columbia's gun laws. Majority Whip Richard Durbin Democrat from Illinois objected, calling the bill an attempt to take away the authority of the city to write its own gun laws. Hutchison said it is is the prerogative of Congress to make laws affecting the district. Gun rights advocates say the district's government is not abiding by the Supreme Court decision in District of Columbia v. Heller that voided the city's handgun ban in June. The D.C. City Council promulgated temporary laws in July and another set of temporary laws September 16th. City officials are working on permanent ones. Durbin said he was acting on behalf of 11 Democratic senators who signed a letter expressing concern about proceeding to this bill without hearing from local or federal law enforcement officials and other interested parties. The senators who signed the letter include Hillary Rodden Clinton of New York and Dianne Feinstein of California, who have vowed to filibuster the measure after the House passed it 266 to 152 on September 17th. Hutchison and 46 other senators wrote a letter on September 18th to Majority Leader Harry Reid, Democrat from Nevada, asking the floor, time for the measure before the end of the 110th Congress. Mm-hmm. Stuff going on. And we've got time for one more. In Philadelphia, the firearms industry and ATF, that's the Alcohol, Tobacco, and Firearms, bring public awareness campaign to Philadelphia to deter illegal purchases of firearms. And it says, buy a gun for someone who can't and buy yourself 10 years in jail. Philadelphia, PA, the National Sports Shooting Foundation, the Trade Association for the Firearms Industry, and the Bureau of Alcohol, Tobacco, Firearms, and Explosives have begun warning residents and visitors in Philadelphia about the illegality and danger of straw purchasing firearms as part of their Don't Lie for the Other Guy campaign. Don't Lie was developed by NSSF and the ATF to raise public awareness that it is a serious crime to purchase a firearm for someone who cannot legally do so or for someone who does not otherwise want his or her name associated with the purchase. The program is also designed to educate firearms dealers on how to better detect and deter potential straw purchases. The campaign drives home the message that anyone tempted to buy an illegal firearm 
faces a stiff federal penalty. Buy a gun for someone who can't and buy yourself 10 years in jail. ATF takes pride in establishing partnerships with industry members in order to prevent illegal firearms purchases, says Mark W. Potter, special agent in charge for the Philadelphia Field Division. We share a common goal, attacking violent crime by preventing criminals from obtaining firearms. NSSF Senior Vice President and General Counsel Lawrence G. King said this program has been welcomed by firearms dealers as a valuable educational tool to better enable them to spot would-be straw purchases and prevent illegal straw purchases. Residents and visitors to Philadelphia won't or will see Don't Lie for the Other Guy posters around the city over the course of the next four weeks. Don't lie for the other guy. Straw purchases are illegal. Every gun this purchase is registered to one person. Don't forget that. Spread it around. All right. I have the coolest listeners in the world. And I asked on the last show, where should I buy some ammo? And uh, just what's going on? And Ruger Shooter from GunRightsRadio.com forums recommended that I check out Walmart for my ammo. And alas, poor York, the Walmart and Gun Unfriendly Maryland doesn't sell it. But thanks, man, for paying attention and trying to help a brother out. Luckily, I made it out of Walmart without buying anything and, uh, or by getting hit by a car. I don't know about you, but Walmarts have more than their abundance of overweight, handicapped people fighting for a parking space close to the door. And they will run your butt over trying to get one of those spaces. And they cruise the parking lot like sharks looking for a closed space. And it's hazardous to your help. Uh, health. So I want to make sure that you, um, if you take your children to Walmart, man, make sure you close, you keep them close to you and you carry them on your shoulders or something. Um, buy a Girl Scout cookie once you make it safely to the door or something. Um, Cause this is bad. You can almost get killed by a 500 pound woman in a minivan. It's kind of scary. Hey, I also want to give a shout out to Anthony in DC. Anthony is a new listener from the District of Columbia, and he writes that he had his eye on an auction. He's been listening to me talk about GunBroker.com, and while I'm talking about GunBroker, there's a link on Urban-Shooter.com, or is it on UrbanShooterPodcast.com? It's on there somewhere. Um, we get paid by the clicks, so if you're going to check out GunBroker, go through the site and hit that link first, just so you know it can show up that somebody's paying attention to me. They're kind of supporting it per... If you buy something, you know, get a kickback from it, some deal like that. But Anthony said, you know, he was going to buy this pistol and he was, he had his eye on this monster of a gun. I think it was like a 50 AE um, Desert Eagle pistol. It was pretty though. And uh, it said that you must contact your transfer dealer before bidding. So he contacted the person, you know, via email that came up when he put in his zip code and he noticed that this person did not appear to be the gentleman that was stated in the Washington Post article as having the only FFL in the district, and that was um, Sykes. So he called me, or he emailed me, and he said, um, you know, I contacted this dude a couple of days ago, but I didn't get a response. Do you know about him? Is he legit? Or does Gunbroker need to update their transfer dealers with gentlemen in the undisclosed locations in, in Anacostia? Well, he gave me the name of the guy who he had contacted, because he didn't want to miss the auction. You know, he was like really feeling that thing and he didn't want to lose 
the love. So I checked out the person. And you know who it was? The guy's name was Joss Sugarman. Now, it took me a minute to figure out who that was, but the name sounded really familiar. Josh Sugarman. So I went to my notes and remembered that Josh Sugarman is the executive director and founder of the Violence Policy Center. So prior to founding VPC, Sugarman was the press officer in the National Office of Amnesty International USA and was the communications director for the National Coalition to Ban Handguns. And I got this right off of on Wiki. So, dude is an anti-gun guy that has an FFL for what purpose, I don't know. But it's definitely not to help you. So I felt like, wow. I actually helped out Anthony by giving him the scoop uh, before he found out from somebody else. So if you live in the nation's capital, do not look for help um, with Josh Sugarman. And of course, Anthony, he said it best when he said, damn, that was some bullshiggity. And of course, I agree with you. But brother, that's why I'm here. I also got in touch with my friend and brother, Ron Garrett, out of Houston, who is the maker of some really cool Kydex stuff. And uh, you guys got to check it out at Garrett Industries. And there'll be a link up on the site for that. It's also, um, you can look up the web address. I think it's gimagclip.com. Just check out his stuff. I mean, he has some like really cool innovations and inventions that he's done with Kydex. And he's helping out a lot of law enforcement people. And while I'm journeying through here, big shout out to my brothers in arms in the Houston and Texas area in general, all law enforcement officers everywhere. Um, Be careful out there, brothers and sisters. Take care. And a big shout out from your brother from different mother right here in the nation's capital. And of course, that means it's time to go. Big shout out to Van, newest member of the Urban Shooter Association and my friend Ron Garrett from Garrett Industries. Thanks, man. Looking forward to that holster and all that's coming. Thank you for staying a part of my life and keeping me in touch with what's going on with you. It's tough out there. Uh, shout out to my cousin down in Louisiana who's going through some hard times. These times, they are changing. I know things are a little tough, brothers and sisters. Just hang in there. It's going to be okay after a while. Keep an eye on your heroes and not on your zeros make sure you give me an email call me if you need to my number is 888-772-6262 and my email is blackmanwithagun at gmail.com I am your friend and your brother from a different mother and I wish you a better week than you had this week it's gonna be okay cause today it was a good day until then peace do you like Urban Shooter? Then send Ken an email at blackmanwithagun at gmail.com. Do you want to support the show and start something new? You can become a member of the new Urban Shooter Association for $4 a month and keep the mission going strong. Look for the USA link on the website. Thank you for listening to the Urban Shooter Podcast. Ken would love to hear from you. Email him at blackmanwithagun at gmail.com. Talk to you next week. Gun Rights Radio Network has the best pro-Second Amendment, pro-gun rights podcast available on the net. 
The podcasts are absolutely free when subscribing using iTunes or Zoom Marketplace. Or if you want, you can just listen from the website. Make sure you visit gunrightsradio.com to subscribe. Podcasting freedom, one episode at a time.